Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about three different scenarios of central bank monetary policy and how that could impact the world of stocks, bonds, and real estate. I believe it's important for investors to be able to have intelligent conversations with each other. We are all investors. I know very few investors that invest exclusively in a single asset class. So then the question becomes, what is the most attractive investment to make in the coming market conditions? Everyone's in search of safety in an environment where there's seemingly no safety to be found. There's no safety to be found in the stock market. We're heading into a recession and the price to earnings ratios are not showing enough of a difference in yield compared with interest bearing notes like treasuries. That says to me that the stock market still has a long way to go down now that yield in the bond market is rising. The bond market has also more downside in front of it as interest rates increase. And real estate has more downside in front of it as interest rates increase as well. We will see cap rates expand and we'll start to see distressed assets appear on the market. Keeping cash in the bank is a losing proposition with inflation running above 8.5%. So what do you do? Where do you put your money? Putting money in hard assets is usually a good hedge against inflation. Now that usually includes real estate and certain commodities. But if we're heading into an economic downturn, commodity prices are likely to fall as demand falls. We won't see the bottom in prices for gold, copper, silver, and other commodities for a little while. As interest rates rise, commodities like gold have not moved up very much because they don't pay a rate of interest. It's a real dilemma of where to place your money. In the absence of a safe alternative, more and more people are just dumping cash into treasuries. The yield is still negative compared with inflation, but it's less negative than cash in the bank. So let's look at three different scenarios. In case number one, inflation stays elevated and the Federal Reserve continues its unrelenting upward pressure on interest rates for the next 24 months. Case number two, inflation starts to show signs of moderating and the Fed decides to hold the line on rate increases to bring a sense of stability to money markets. And in case number three, we enter a steep economic contraction and the Fed pivots from quantitative tightening to quantitative easing, back to printing money, and the Treasury starts to shower the population with fiscal stimulus. All three of those scenarios are highly plausible. If you want to argue for any one of those futures, you could find the evidence out there in the world to support your thesis. What actually will happen will be the result of a complex web of headwinds and tailwinds. So let's look what would happen in each case. In case number one, continued rising interest rates, we will eventually see interest-bearing instruments become more and more attractive as rates rise and eventually become real positive interest rates. Just like we saw in 1982 when interest rates went up to 18-20%, to people started saving more and spending less by putting money into government bonds. High interest rates changed behavior and it started a period of relative fiscal responsibility, albeit somewhat short-lived. In case number one, the stock market will continue to get punished as interest rates rise and the economic damage. In case number one, the bond market continues to get hammered and real estate prices will continue to fall as demand falls for new purchases due to the high cost of borrowing. Now, the banking system doesn't have the same exposure in 2022 that existed in 2008. Some properties will be forced into short sales. Some bridge financing will be extended and lenders will not want to see distressed assets on their balance sheet. A few of the weaker projects will fall into distress, and that will be an opportunity in the coming months to buy distressed assets once the extensions run out. In case number two, we can expect to see a significant run-up in the bond market. 
This is the case where interest rates pause and we get a period of extended, maybe higher, but stable interest rates. And that'll be perceived as positive by the bond market and the stock market. Even real estate will find a new equilibrium. When you look on a historic basis, interest rates of 6, 7, 8% have been managed by real estate markets. And in my opinion, this is the base case and it's the most likely. I'm predicting this is probably going to happen in the second half of 2023. The reason for this delay is that there's a lag between the raising of interest rates and the result appearing in the CPI metrics. In fact, the rental equivalence data that's used to measure the housing component of the CPI, which makes up 40% of this core CPI metric, takes more than a year to assemble. The information being published each month is a small incremental fractional update on that picture for the entire nation. The time lag means that interest rates will remain elevated for longer than many in the mainstream media are predicting. In case number three, we're talking about a return to the insanity of stimulative monetary and fiscal policy. It would mean a return to bubble creation. We've gone through more than two decades of bubble creation. First, it was the tech bubble in the 1990s, followed by the real estate and debt bubble of the early 2000s, followed by the everything bubble of the teens in the pandemic years. A return to quantitative easing and stimulative interest rates would be a largely political decision. This is what's happening in Europe right now. Even in the U.S. it's happening, although to a lesser degree. Social security payments will increase by 8.7% in 2023. Now you can argue this is simply a cost of living adjustment for those on fixed income, and I get it. But it's still a stimulus package involving deficit financing. It's not that different than the British government handing out cash to help people with their electricity bills or the French government handing out cash to cope with higher energy prices. Back in 2006, economist John Malden wrote a now very famous paper which talks about sand piles. Sand piles can be fun. Nothing beats taking kids to the beach and watching their creativity blossom into all kinds of magical shapes. The problem with sand construction is it doesn't last. And he says, I have it on good authority that your house on sand probably won't end well. The same holds for financial sand piles. In the letter, John Malden describes how scientists use computer-simulated sand piles to study complex systems. The piles can go quite large and then suddenly collapse with the addition of a single grain of sand. The point at which that happens is highly unpredictable, but the fact that it will happen is highly predictable. So much of what's been written about in the mainstream media has been about the so-called Fed pivot, which basically describes our third case. These people are addicted to cheap debt. They're addicted to bubble mentality. As you're modeling your projects, I would suggest that you model all three scenarios and determine what each one would mean for your projects. They're all different and they're highly plausible. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.